Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. Actually, Matt, in fact, by the way, alongside the scout Matt Williamson, I am Brian Peacock. Matt, we just learned we are the number one NFL daily podcast that there is in the world. In the world, out there. in, the, in so, the universe. Yeah, we yeah, are the number everyone. one daily NFL podcast. So thanks to all the listeners out there. That's awesome. Yeah, I did. we got that word last night. Um, thank you for all the new listeners. Please keep spreading the word. Leave us a review here and there on iTunes. And thanks again. I mean, it's been uh, building this thing from nothing has been a blast. Absolutely. And the Locked On NFL Draft Show, also the number one daily NFL draft program. Trevor Sikama and Benjamin Solak doing big things over there. And this is their time of the year to do big things. So if you want to hear about the NFL draft, we've got two shows here on the network, Locked On NFL Draft and the Draft Dude Dudes podcast. Uh, all those guys involved with thedraftnetwork.com. And we will have them on this show as well, frequently talking draft all the way through April. You can subscribe to this show and all of your favorite podcast apps. All the teams in the NFL covered. We've got MLB, we've got NBA, hockey, college sports as well. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Matt is at Williamson NFL. We've talked a lot about running backs this week, and we've got some more guys that might be on the chopping block. Eric Bieniemy might finally be getting his head coaching job, and our guest today is Daniel Wade. He's the host of Locked On Chargers, a big transitional year in Los Angeles for the Chargers. Uh, before they open a new stadium there, they've got a good roster. There's some headlining quarterbacks that could come to town. They could go young now that Phillip Rivers is officially going to leave via free agency. It's going to be odd seeing the Chargers without Phillip Rivers. Uh, Matt, let's start with this news. And look, we talked about it. Don't sign running backs to huge second contracts. Another day, another team regrets signing their running back. And that is the Falcons and Devontae Freeman, according to Albert Breer. The Falcons are likely to cut Devontae Freeman this offseason. A $6 million hit in dead money, but that would still save them overall $3.5 million against the salary cap. And since signing his new deal in 2017, Freeman has not have had a 1,000-yard season yet. Only averaged 3.6 yards per carry last year. Yeah, and he's not a bad player. He'll get picked up. Somebody will be happy to get him probably at a discounted rate. But it's a move you have to make. The Falcons have a little over $6 million in cap space, which is very, very little. They're low on that list, so they need to make these kinds of moves. And and you said it. I mean, it's just one more glaring example of investing in running backs is usually bad business. So, you know, buyer beware on Melvin Gordon, Derrick Henry, the, this year's crop of guys. Um, again, he's, he's fine. I mean, he just isn't worth that big buck that they gave him after his first contract. And maybe... Maybe coincidence, but Kyle Shanahan leaves town and all of a sudden the running game isn't quite as good for the Falcons, yeah, including Devontae Freeman, and uh, that's an interesting one. So we'll see where Devontae Freeman lands if he does get cut or potentially traded from the Atlanta Falcons and not nearly the money and the albatross of a contract that uh, Todd Gurley and David Johnson's numbers are. So it should be a lot easier for the Falcons to move on from Devontae Freeman. I will say, though, my fantasy radar will be focusing in on who does land there. Like, mm -hmm. if they use a second-round pick on Jonathan Taylor or somebody like that after drafting two linemen in the first round next year, that could be a real good landing spot. And the landing spot for Freeman. What if he ends up back yeah. with Kyle Shanahan or something like that? And uh, I could see him having still some big years in his career because he's still got the vision. He's got the feet. Um, you know, it's just running backs take a pounding. He's he, 
you see that all the time, though, with running backs. It's an up and down career sometimes. It's not this, you know, trajectory of they are great and then they fall off a cliff. Sometimes it is, but sometimes there's guys that you forget about and they're like, oh, yeah, here's another thousand yard season for your fantasy team after you drafted him in the 14th round. Yeah. And I bet there's a half a dozen teams that'll be interested in Freeman also because he won't count against your comp equation, too, because he'll get cut. You can get them, and it doesn't hurt your compensatory pick situation. Oh, yeah, that's a good angle as well. Yeah, um, yeah. We do have to uh, – I want to give a lot of time here to talk to Daniel Wade and talk Los Angeles Chargers, but Eric Bieniemy might finally get his head coaching shot. Uh, it's not going to happen in the NFL, at least this offseason, but it would seem to me that Eric Bieniemy is well-deserving of a head coaching job, and we saw the job he did in the Super Bowl and what he's done all season long with – the Kansas City Chiefs and his alma mater, Colorado, now has a vacant spot and they are reaching out to be enemy to potentially be their head coach. And he was an awesome player at Colorado. If you take emotion out of it, though, I think the smart business move is stay with the Chiefs. You will be maybe number one hottest coaching candidate when the season opens. The chances of your offense falling apart this off upcoming year is slim and none. And you probably will be in line for a head gig a year from now. And I also think it did hurt him as well as Robert Salah that, you know, you play in the Super Bowl and it's just a long time for owners to wait to get their guy. If you're if you're tied on two guys, you go with the guy that's still that is out of it, which is kind of counterthinking. You wouldn't want the winner. Um, but I also could say, man, what an opportunity to go back to your alma mater be the biggest fish in that pond and turn a team around. You could never fault any coach for that. Yeah, and I would say if it's not Colorado, then it wouldn't make a lot of sense. But at the same time, if you're Eric right. Bieniemy, unless it was Bama or you right. know something unbelievably huge, is your goal? And that doesn't mean he can't come back to the NFL and be a head coach too. Because if he does great things at Colorado, that's going to open up other doors for him. The question for Bieniemy now is: Do you want to be a head coach? Or do you want to be just an NFL head coach? And, and those are the things he's going to have to weigh if he wants to wait another offseason and potentially get passed over again at this time next year. But the enemy, Colorado's all-time leader still in rushing yards, all-purpose wow. yards, and touchdowns. And I got to say, kind of like the Josh McDaniel situation, being Andy Reid's right-hand man with Mahomes isn't the worst gig in the world. It's not a bad OC gig, and once the enemy does leave, there's going to be a long line of people to say, hey, can I uh, call plays for that offense, please? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's a a prime gig with the rarity of having a superstar player at the most important position and great job security, which doesn't exist much in the NFL. I'm hoping Eric Bienemy gets uh, that head coaching gig, whether it's at his old alma mater in Colorado or in the NFL next year. Let's talk Chargers with today's guest, Daniel Wade, next. Dudes, listen up. Let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember those days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. I've told you about them many times. If you haven't tried it, you're out of your mind. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Guys, I never understood the pill thing. I mean, hey, you're going to make an appointment for an hour from now? I mean, Blue Chew works so much better. Blue Chew is prescribed online, ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, zero awkwardness. Made in the USA, 
And Blue Chew prepares and ships direct. They're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, they have a fantastic deal for all of you listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment totally free when you use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL. All you're paying is $5 shipping, and you're getting way more than $5 worth of product. And the promo code is LOCKEDON. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them a great deal for sponsoring the podcast. Our guest today is Daniel Wade. He is the co-host of Locked on Chargers. You can find him on Twitter at Dan Talks Sports. A fantastic show right here on the network. If you follow the Chargers and you don't subscribe to this podcast, then I don't know what you're doing in your life. If you know somebody who's a Chargers fan, let them know about Locked on Chargers. Daniel, thank you so much for joining the show. It's an interesting team right now, a new direction going on with the L.A. Chargers. Yeah, well, there's been no shortage of news for the Chargers during this offseason. And right now it's kind of at its peak since we finally know what's going to happen with Phillip Rivers. So with this all going down, not knowing who the quarterback is going to be for the first time in 16 seasons, I would say it's been a very eventful week to say the least. Yeah, Daniel, I'm really interested. I assume you've seen every snap of Phillip Rivers this year, give or take. What's your take on him as a player? What do you think he has left? And where is he now in his career? And then I have a quick follow-up question, too. Absolutely. Well, I think I, I have watched every snap of Philip Rivers this season multiple times, and that doesn't really make the picture any more clear as far <laughs> as what Philip Rivers can do at this point because Philip Rivers' season was kind of a, mis- a mix and match of incredible throws where you're like, okay, well, he still has it. And then some really under thrown balls that you're just wondering what was he thinking did he just not have enough to get it there so I think of course one thing that's always going to come with Philip Rivers is the high IQ being able to change things at the line of scrimmage and basically having a coach on the field but as far as the physical tools go there was moments where you still saw he had it and I think with the great ones like you've seen in the past with you know even guys like Drew Brees when he gets to the playoffs this year you still have those moments of greatness. They just can't muster it up as often as they once could. Okay, and then my follow-up is let's pretend he was behind the Colts O-line. What do you think he'd be like? I mean, I think that's a a drastically different picture for Philip Rivers. I mean, I think this last offseason, you heard Tom Telesco, you know, preaching faith in the right tackle position for the Chargers. At that point, it's Trent Scott and Sam Tevy. But to be honest, I mean, this offensive line hasn't been good in 10 years, and this was one of the worst ones that they've put out there as far as overall talent goes and cohesion and I mean, just being average in pass protection. Phillip Rivers hasn't got that in a long time. So I think that the argument can be made he would have had a much better season. I mean, if you th- just think about last year, guys, I mean, it was 32 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're only one season away from that. And, of course, there's the, you know, Peyton Manning drop-off season, the nine touchdowns and 17 17 interceptions. But I I think that this year, it was just Rivers doing too much. He threw the ball over 80 more times in 2019 than he did in 2018. When you have a four-game span where your offense can't muster 40 rushing yards, which is historically bad, uh, you're going to ask Phillip Rivers to do a little bit too much. And I think that's what we saw from him. I don't know if he's leading the Colts to a Super Bowl, but I do think that numbers that he would have put up would have been drastically different. And he's a competitive guy. At some point, do you just have to say, hey, look, Phil, I think you're done, man. Is that time now? 
I mean, I could potentially see one more Pro Bowl level season. I mean, like I said last year, he was in MVP talks for some of it. And I don't think we saw the drastic decline that would say that there's no way he should still be out there. And I think for, I mean, any team out there that's looking for a short-term starting quarterback situation, I think they could do much worse than Phillip Rivers, who put behind a a strong uh, offensive line and given some weapons around him, I still think he can be a productive quarterback. I think he could lead a team to the playoffs. So if you're talking about how far he is in a a tank of gas, I think it's getting pretty close to empty, but you never know. I mean, look at Eric Weddle and what he said this week already to Andrew Siciliano. You don't know what it feels like once you get somewhere else and you see how another team treats you. And the Chargers have been off criticized for how they handle these things. I don't think this was the worst one, but I think given a fresh start, given a new situation, that could light a fire under Phillip Rivers that could keep him going for at least another season. All right, Daniel, put your fan cap on, but be realistic. What do you want to happen for the Chargers quarterback situation this offseason? If it's me and I'm putting my fan hat on, I think you want something that's going to be exciting. And for that, I think that it's bringing in a big name quarterback like Cam Newton and at least getting some name value, even though for me, statistically speaking and not knowing the health of him, I'm not sure I would be a fan of that. But I think you want something big. I think you want something exciting going into the new stadium in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium with the Rams this season. I think you want a big name. So that's why you hear Tom Brady being mentioned. And I mean, we've seen the ruckus that has been caused just by Tom Brady liking the fact that the Chargers are parting ways with Phillip Rivers on Instagram. But I think the best way for them to kind of start fresh would be a young quarterback, would be to take somebody with the sixth overall pick or even show some initiative and try to move up and maybe get a guy like Tua Tagovailoa, who's had some updates on his injury concerns this week. So I think for me, if it's me, I want somebody young in there. If you want to keep Tyrod Taylor as a bridge quarterback, I'm fine with that. I think he's more than capable of that. But for me, I want somebody young. I want something new to get excited about, build a new foundation, get the next face of the franchise. It seems likely if that happens, it would be Herbert from Oregon. Are you cool with that? That's something I'm still going back and forth on. I would say, I mean, no, yeah, I mean, it's hard because you watch him and there's a lot to like from him, right? You get that mobility, which we saw, especially towards the end of his Oregon career. I mean, three rushing touchdowns in the Rose Bowl against Wisconsin. And that's not something you necessarily thought of him before that. So as far as the type of quarterback Anthony Lynn likes, he has a big arm. He's mobile. He can run the run pass options. He can run the read option if that's the way you want to use your offense. And we know that Anthony Lynn has wanted a mobile quarterback since he took over the job. I mean, I don't think Anthony Lynn wanted to always tie his wagon to stationary Phillip Rivers. So now he has the chance to bring the guy he wants to run the offense that he wants. And I think as far as that goes, Justin Herbert fits that mold. There's more questions about his leadership, some of the decision-making and all of those things. But if you think he's the franchise starter for you, if you were sold on him, you absolutely have to do whatever it takes to get him. Daniel, to me, there's two different schools of thought here with the quarterback situation and it really changes the outlook of the rest of the team you mentioned going veteran at the quarterback route and that would seem to be you're all in and you're trying to win football games now if you say use that number six overall pick in the NFL draft on a quarterback to me that's rebuild mode and and you're looking into the future a little bit in that case what happens with guys like Keenan Allen and Melvin Gordon Austin Eckler 
the free agents that are currently on the roster, how you attack the rest of the offseason, because going with a rookie quarterback is not a win-now move in most cases in the NFL. It's, it's not a win-now move, especially not in year one. I think you've seen the model from some other teams that getting a rookie quarterback and having him on that rookie wage scale definitely helps you fill out the rest of the roster. So you could argue that you could bring in some more offensive linemen and you could actually help in other parts of the team while you know taking on the rookie things that you're going to with whoever that quarterback is going to be. But you're right, Brian, because it to some extent, this is a very talented roster. I wouldn't say it's necessarily a Super Bowl roster where you could just take one of these free agents and that guy's going to take them to the Super Bowl. But you're right, after next year, Keenan Allen's contract's up. Melvin Ingram's contract's up. Joey Bosa's contract's up. This team is in a very win-now phase, at least financially. I think this is going to be a huge offseason. They're going to have to take care of some of that stuff right now. Austin Eckler's another guy. If they can't get him extended to a multi-year contract extension, he'll be done after next season. So as far as that goes, yes, I mean, this team has a win-now roster without a quarterback. So I understand why you know you would potentially want to take a young quarterback, but still bring someone in to try and win with the roster that you have and about, you know, $60 million worth of cash space, give or take, if a couple cuts are made here and there. So this is a, a pretty weird time for Tom Telesco, but this is going to be absolutely crucial for him because he has so much on his plate and teams are, the, the fans are still going to expect a winner out there in 2019. So if you go rookie or in 2020, so if you go rookie quarterback, you have to know that you could have a, a new season in a new stadium with most of your star players at the end of their contracts and not go in there and start with a winning season. And that's a pretty tough thing to swallow, especially for Charger fans. Yeah, you mentioned that $60 million in cap space, and I kind of thought it would be a foregone conclusion that at least some chunk of that would go to a starting offensive lineman. And maybe the move is – put all that money into Bosa and Ingram and guys, you already said, you know, keep them around, you know, extend them, which leads me to this question. If the sixth pick in the draft rolls around and it's not a quarterback, would you put all your money on? It's one of the offensive tackles. I think you have to. And I think we saw it last year in the draft, how teams value offensive tackles. I mean, you have Titus Howard, who is, you know, universally considered maybe a second round pick, probably a third round pick. And he gets taken in the 20s by the Houston Texans. And we saw how many tackles went off the board. And then some of the guys who the NFL thought would be guards, Cody Ford, Dalton Reisner, and those guys fall into the second. But there are going to be, you know, six, seven tackles before the Chargers get to pick again in the second round. I think if you're not going to go with a quarterback, you absolutely have to take a tackle at that position because it's an absolutely loaded class. I mean, I'd be happy if they went Tristan Wirfs. I'd be happy if they went Jedrick Wills. I mean, I'd be happy if they took Andrew Thomas. I mean, I, I, all of those guys would be monumental improvements on top of what the Chargers have right now. So I know it would be tempting, you know, if Okuda falls to them at six, that would be super tempting. You know, Isaiah Simmons, I mean, he's kind of an enigma right now. He could go four. He could go 11. Like, you just don't know. Those are both game-changing type of players defensively. But if you don't go quarterback, you absolutely have to help this offensive line. Brown from Auburn is the only one I would consider because Tillery was not great. And a beast in the middle of that defense, I think, would go a long way. Um, But I'm with you. I think it's 90% chance it's a tackle if it's not a quarterback. Last little note on this roster. Would you franchise Hunter Henry? If I'm not franchising him, I'm transition tagging him. And the thing is, is 
with the tight end position, it's just so hard to get production from that position. I mean, anybody who plays fantasy football can tell you there's about 10 usable tight ends in fantasy football, and the rest are just kind of whatever. So even with the injury concerns, even though he did miss four games this season, in the eight games he played, he was still top 10 in basically every category amongst tight ends. I mean, top five in average yards per game from tight end position. I mean, Hunter Henry is just a talent that you absolutely cannot let walk out the door. And if you don't have him signed before free agency begins, he's going to have a lot of suitors, the Patriots, the Colts. I mean, you name it. A lot of teams need tight ends. They need to do everything possible to keep him from hitting the open market because I don't think they want to get in that bidding war. More with Daniel Wade of Locked On Chargers. I want to know what the selling point is for a quarterback like, say, Tom Brady to come to Los Angeles and play in the powder blue. Daniel, you mentioned one of my favorite prospects last year in Dalton Reisner, and a few years before that, it was Forrest Lamp. What happened with Forrest Lamp's career? Was it just completely that injury that derailed it and didn't allow him to be the player that uh, he could have been coming out of Western Kentucky, and he was a high second-round pick for the Chargers? He's only played a handful of games right since he was drafted in 2017. And Dan Feeney, too. I thought both those guys were sure bets. Yeah, and when Dan Feeney, it's tough because, I mean, he had a really strong end to his rookie season. And and since then, statistically speaking, he's been one of the worst guards in football, at least as far as giving up pressures. But that's not what he was meant to be. I mean, he was supposed yeah. to be a, a road paver. You know, he was supposed to be a guy that was going to absolutely help you out uh, running the football. But with Forrest Lamp, I mean... It would be easy to say that the injury derailed everything if we had seen what it looked like without the injury, right? We never even got to see that. He didn't even make it into a preseason game for the Chargers his first season. And ever since then, it's been a setback. His second year, him not being able to come back and start last year because of getting a late starting time in OTAs and training camps and all those things. And I think he's been battling to get that position back. And this year, Mike Pouncey goes down. Dan Feeney moves over to center. Forrest Lamp plays in one game and gets injured again. So I think that's part of the problem. But I think there's a legitimate question about the coaching staff when it comes to this because the Chargers have drafted a lot of offensive linemen, a lot of third-round picks. I mean, you've seen what Questenberry was able to do. He was actually quite a surprise for the Chargers this year. But, I mean, you have guys like Max Turk from USC a few years back. You have Chris Watt out of Notre Dame a few years ago. You have Dan Feeney. You have Forrest Lamp. You have Sam Tevy, who is a converted defensive lineman to offensive linemen. But I think you have to wonder, is it just the talent that's not being brought in? Because everybody universally said that Forrest Lamp was probably the best offensive lineman in that draft. So it's hard to say that he wasn't talented enough. But then you look at the coaching staff who hasn't seemed to be able to progress in that matter. And I think having James Campen come in from the Packers, who was last with the Browns, but spent most of his career with the Packers as their offensive line coach. I think you're hoping you can get a little bit more development out of him But Forrest Lamp going into the last year of his contract, it's almost impossible to say if he even has a starting job locked up in 2020, which just sounds ridiculous. Daniel, I got two general Chargers nuggets for you. And then, Brian, you can bring it on home. But um, for those that listened the other day, my whole new advanced turnover differential, the Chargers are extremely interesting to me in that In general turnover margins, they were minus 17, which tied the Giants for worst in the league. Obviously, that's a problem. But whenever you you delve into the advanced metrics that I was creating with the missed field goals and the fourth down failures, they were 
the the one category where luck comes into play is opponent missed field goals, and they had the luckiest metric of all of the whole league. Ten, 10 field goals were missed against the Chargers last year. Like, that's not going to happen again. You know, like, that's a negative thing for the Chargers that is going to regress to the mean most likely and will hurt them more. But I also, in the last 24 hours, I've been really fiddling with one-score games from last year. And if you reverse all every one-score game, I mean, with a touchdown or less, the Chargers go from five and eleven to twelve and four. Well, and that's exactly what their record was last season, right? Right, and right. I mean, they were the year, yeah, yeah. And they were so bad in one-score games. If those games go the other way, they would have been a twelve and fourteen. Well, and they right. only lost one one-score game last season too. So I think you knew that was going to regress to the mean somewhat. But as far as the turnovers go, I mean. I think if you ask any Chargers fan, they're going to tell you that years of bad kicking karma came back to finally help the Chargers, and it came in a 5-11 and season. But at the same time, I mean, you can't depend on that. I mean, it really should have been 4-12 and if you think about Eddie Pinheiro missing a pretty easy field goal against the Chargers with the Bears this season and how much that played into it. The Chargers got extremely lucky as far as other kickers missing field goals. It just – only they really capitalize on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They could not capitalize on it. And the turnover margin is something that, I mean, we've been preaching about all year with the Locked On Chargers podcast. I mean, when you and the Giants are tied for something in the NFL, that's not usually a good thing. So <laughs> right. when you're talking about that, especially combined with the talent on this defense, having Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, yet you finish 28th in the NFL in sacks. I mean, there's things like that that just don't seem to add up with this team. And Gus Bradley takes a lot of flack. And I think when he blitzes, you know, the lowest amount he's ever blitzed, I mean, as far as him being the Chargers defensive coordinator, and you look at the success they've had with Derwin James when he was a rookie blitzing, Desmond King when he was a rookie blitzing. I mean, those guys are putting up three and four sacks in a season, but they're constantly getting pressure and things of that nature. The Chargers didn't do a good enough job of that this year, but Gus Bradley's also scared because they had one of the worst tackling defenses in the NFL. So if you send more people, you're opening yourself up for many more big plays. So I think that's just one of the metrics that you could look at for this team that really doesn't make sense with the talent that they have. Daniel, last one for me here. And I'm looking at this team and after talking to you and I'm looking at the PFF grades here and I'm seeing all the talent they have on both sides of the ball still. And you're right, it's a very good roster built now with some star players. I'm looking at the defensive side with you know, potentially a full season from Derwin James next year and Joey Bosa. Those are the two two of the best young defensive players in the NFL. And then I'm thinking, okay, and I'm still having trouble not calling them the San Diego Chargers, and I'm going to have all kinds of problem calling the Raiders the Las Vegas Raiders. But I'm wondering, okay, let's say that Tom Brady sees the roster. He says, okay, L.A., Los Angeles, that'd be a good place to go to if I wanted to to change franchises. What is the overall shape of the Los Angeles Chargers franchise right now do they have a home in Los Angeles what is the vibe around the football team if I'm Tom Brady I take a flight to Los Angeles and I'm meeting with the Chargers brass and I'm really thinking about becoming a Charger what's the selling point there what's the overall vibe around the franchise right now I mean I think the only selling point that you have for Tom Brady if you're the Chargers trying to lure him away from New England is Look at this roster. Look at the weapons that you'd have. We're already bringing back Hunter Henry. You have Mike Williams and Keenan Allen on the outside. You have Austin Eckler, and we know you love throwing to running backs. 
and you'd be able to market your TB12 brand on the West Coast. And really, you know, now you're covering the entire country and now you can kind of try to branch that out here. But if you're the Chargers, Giselle might like it too. Yeah, yeah, Giselle obviously <laughs> yeah. definitely yeah. would like it. I mean, I, I'm definitely not doubting that at all. And I think that at, at the age Tom Brady's at, I mean, it's something to uh, consider for sure. But Tom Brady's going to have to bring the fans because the Chargers aren't going to be able to do it on their own. And I think that's just a fact at this point. I think it's very scary thinking of the prospect of what these crowds are going to look like when you move into a seven, I mean, a huge stadium. You're in a 27,000 seat stadium right now in, in StubHub or whatever you want to call it this week. You're moving into a giant stadium. You're moving into Jerry's world, basically, at that size of a stadium. What is that going to look like? I think the NFL should be pretty scared about the prospect of seeing 50,000 open seats in a stadium and having the other 30,000 be 70% of the away team. You're not going to be able to fill this stadium with other teams' fans. So as far as a Chargers perspective, them trying to bring in new fans, I think it does a lot more for the Chargers than it does for Tom Brady. This team's got a lot of star power if they get the right quarterback and have some sort of a, a, a upgraded O-line. I could see them really turning things around. Or they get Brady for a year, he retires, or they miss on a first-round pick, and then all those guys you mentioned start hitting free agency. They might be picking in the top six for a long time. I mean, it's transition time. Well, and it's huge, and that's the huge thing about this offseason for Tom Telesco and why, I mean, some people were mad that they went into this offseason with Tom Telesco because if you're talking about what you could give to a new GM that you're trying to get, I mean, $60 million in cap space in this roster, you could do much worse than that if you're a prospective GM. But when you talk about the offensive line, I think the James Campen hiring is very suspicious, at least as far as the fact that Brian Bulaga is one of the biggest free agents on the market right now. So maybe James Campen can get talk him into coming over, and that helps you a little bit on the offensive line, and you can try to help that with the draft as well. But with all of those guys headed into free agency in 2021, this is a win-now roster. If there was a really legitimate chance that you could find a really good starting quarterback, I mean, I think even like a Ryan Tannehill. What I think Ryan Tannehill could do with sure. this roster – I think that would be a match made in heaven as far as short term. He's going to want a longer term deal with what he just you know, accomplished with the Titans. And I don't think he necessarily gets out of there if they don't franchise him. But bringing in Tom Brady and thinking that you can get more out of him than Bill Belichick did. That's <laughs> something I struggle with. I just with this Chargers coaching staff, I, I like Shane Steichen a lot. I thought he did some really good things after he took over from Ken Wisenhunt. But with this offensive line, as it currently stands, even with obviously much better weapons than than Tom Brady had last year. He obviously didn't have very much going on there, but to think that you're going to get much more out of that than Bill Belichick is the thing I really struggle with as far as bringing in Tom Brady. I was trying to see if Tom Brady still had his Los Angeles home because I know he's been a guy who's spent some time on the West Coast and Giselle spending a lot of time on the West Coast, but he sold his L.A. home to Dr. Dre apparently for $40 million back in 2017, <laughs> so he might have to go uh, real estate shopping if he does head back to L.A. <laughs> that, that's hilarious. Of course, it's Dr. Dre <laughs> buying Tom Brady's house, you know, I, I, but I didn't know he had to lower the price of his house in Boston. That, that 40 million wasn't no one was biting on that, I guess. I thought Boston would be able to put that up, but I guess I put not. a bid in, but Dr. Works. Dre beat me to it. Yeah, so, uh, well. <laughs> hate when that happens. You have to hate when that happens. I wasn't willing to go over 39. I mean, come on. All right. <laughs> we got to roll here, Daniel. Thank you so much for joining the show. The, the Chargers are going to be a 
a really fun team to watch here as the 2020 offseason unfolds. And we really appreciate you giving us the time today. Yeah, no problem, guys. Happy to be on. Good luck with everything. You bet. Don't forget to subscribe to Locked On Chargers. You can find Dan at Dan Talk Sports on Twitter. Matt and I will be back tomorrow with James Yarko of Locked On Buccaneers, another team with some big decisions to make at quarterback.